coming up tonight on your favorite podcast. It's time for Peak Cinema, a little Sunday night edition of Peak Cinema. Lauren Ryan stopped by the studio to uh, talk a little bit more about one of our favorite movies of all time. At least this was Lauren's pick, I should say. I will say this movie was a big one for me in my formative years. I was rather young when this one came out. Uh, But it's uh, one that sticks in my brain. We're going to talk about the 1996 big budget blockbuster Space Jam starring Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny. We will, uh, and others, a host of others, but that's how they list it as Bugs Bunny. Apparently he gets uh, credit. I don't know how that works, but it should be an interesting one. I want to talk all about the film that was all the mass marketing and commercialism and the big commercial that was the NBA of this film. Very, very interesting stuff to get to tonight. So Ryan, Lauren, me, get your Hanes out, get your Nikes on, get your Wheaties eaten, go have yourself a Big Mac, go put your Bulls jersey on. It's time for Space Jam on Peak Cinema next on the pod. Hey, it's the Tim Anderson Podcast. I'm Tim. That's my buddy Rhino over there on a Sunday night, a rare Sunday night pod. But I got to tell you, I could get I could get used to this. I, I don't mind the Sunday night pod, although I'm sure you're watching a football game as we are doing this. But that's OK. I that's OK. I expect that. I understand. That's one of the risks we take here, Lauren. Uh, when we do a pod on a Sunday night during uh, football season. And of course, uh, we won't talk about that game at all on this podcast, just for the record. No scores will be given, nothing like that. Uh, You can guess what game is being played 20 years from now when you listen back to this podcast. Ooh, I wonder what game they were talking about. Look it up. Figure it out for yourself. On the other side, uh, of course, the lovely, talented, recently dyed her hair, but I didn't comment on it three weeks ago. So now I have to do it now and do a make good <laughs> Lauren Nelson Kane. Lauren, your hair is lovely. Welcome to the pod. Thank you. And um, just how dare you that you didn't notice that I dyed my hair the same color that I always do. Yeah, just but you can usually travesty. tell. You can usually tell when you dye it because either <laughs> it gets a different shade or you do something slightly different. And I try to be on top of these things, but I didn't do it this time. <laughs> Tim, you know what you've, it is? you've fallen for the classic blunder, uh, you know, the second place one, because the first place one, obviously, is never fight a land war in Asia. But the the only slightly lesser known than that is never comment on a woman's hair after you failed to do so previously. But I didn't know. Here, I <laughs> thought it was fresh. I thought it was fresh and new and interesting. And we were going to talk about how fresh it was. And then she's like, yeah, it's that's not new. I had it three weeks ago. Thanks for noticing. And I had to try to, you know, I waswas Sirwanga my way back on that one. Backpedal. I was in full backpedal mode. The people and, listening uh, to this podcast don't know who Waswas Sirwanga was. Yeah, it's true. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> there's yeah, somebody on this pod. There's somebody on this podcast who doesn't know who Waswas Sirwanga was. <laughs> no, I'm gonna breeze right past it. Okay. Um, you know what it is? It's my uh, arm tattoo is showing, and it makes me look so much cooler than I am. Yeah. And I think by default. My hair looks darker. Don't you look a little witchier today, Lauren? Doesn't aren't you giving off more of a, you know? I was going to go more of a, like a Linda Hamilton, like an ass yeah, kicking. Like that's, you're, that's the vibe I give off when when this tattoo is showing. This tattoo tells people I could kick their ass. The rest of me doesn't. The the so when the, that's covered up. 
I'm the, basically blonde. The classic like, like protagonist hero that's not cut that doesn't play by anybody else's rules, plays by her own rules. Uh, you know, do- doesn't like to do things the conventional way. She does it her way. That's kind of you right now. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what the tattoo does. So I'll so I'll give it to you. My hair just looks darker because the tattoo, the tattoo is showing. Have you it's thought about showing. doing that at work? Like, have you thought about going sleeveless <laughs> when you go to the job site and just say, "Hey, I just want you to know when I go sleeveless, it's kind of like the old." Uh, it's, it's like the old pro wrestling move when they pull the singlet down like Jerry the King Lawler. That's kind of you when you show up with the tattoo out. That means Lauren means business today. That's what that you know, means. You know, I try not to be perceived at work. Uh, being perceived leads to people asking me questions, and that's not something that I'm super, <laughs> super welcome to do. So do you go full glasses and mustache with the big nose when you're at work as if to try to like have a full disguise? And oh, It's not absolutely. a bad idea. Absolutely. I I've wear, seen her get ready for work. I can confirm. Yeah. She's got a Groucho Marx thing going when she gets <laughs> to work. I might do that for the next few weeks at the, at the high school and see if I can go on notice for a while. That would be nice. That would be good. What are, we dr- what are we drinking tonight? What is in that? That is a huge uh, this wine is, glass. This is enough wine to hopefully last me the podcast because we are about to talk about a movie that I knew was bad and is worse than I remember. And I can't believe you picked it. When I saw this on the list, I was like, there's no way Lauren picked this. Something happened. Somebody had a gun to her head. Uh, there was something going on here that that forced us to have to watch Space Jam. But hey, since we did, we're here. We're going to talk Space Jam for a good chunk of this podcast. So uh, it's all Lauren's fault. So just for the record, um, that's I good for mine. that. Hey, you know what I like to call this one? Like, not bad movies choices, but like kind of weird movie choices. Like, you know, Ryan goes game night, goes new. You're going to go Space Jam. And next week or two weeks from now, we're going point break. And this could be good, bad movie month here at the podcast. I don't know how to phrase well, it. I, I don't know if you remember this or not. The way this podcast started, the way that we we talked about doing this podcast originally was, does it hold up? And yes. You know, this is kind of one of those does it hold up picks, I think. It's an interesting it, film. Uh, we'll get to that answer of does it hold up because I think it falls into some a really interesting category. But I will say uh, I watched this movie back and I was immediately taken back to when I was 15 years old and I watched this for the first time. Like I was immediately back to my teenage years. And there were a lot of things that I was like, hmm, my youth. It was better then. I, I will everything say it's was a, better. Everything, it's a, just everything better. Just off the jump, it's a little generous to call this a film instead of an hour and a half long advertisement for various products. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say the product placement's a little out of hand. It's a little heavy handed, if you will. It is the movie. I mean, the movie is literally based on, I think, a commercial that Michael Jordan did with the Looney Tunes or something for... Mm. Uh, yeah, Air Jordans. Air Jordan and Hair Jordan. I remember that. That's yes. my Bugs Bunny, by the way. How'd you think of that? Was that good? That, that I'm, you know, was actually, yes. that was, that was, yeah, better than the one you do for your wife. What do you mean? Uh, nothing, my wife nothing, impre- really. You mean I do a Bugs Bunny impression for my wife? What? No, uh, the, the, your the Bugs Bunny is better than the impression you do <laughs> for your wife. The impression of your wife. <laughs> oh, the impression of my wife. <laughs> I thought you were thinking that was like part of our, you know, kind of kind of our evening routine as I come to a, Hey, what's up, doc? You know, and I, it's, like, it's a weird, 
weird love you know, I life think, we've got. I think the impression that you do of your wife is more of an uh, an evocation rather than an impression. Uh, yeah, you know, like I'd like that. to think of it as just a, a, a nice, a little bit of a caricature, if you will. <laughs> um, but it's, but I think it's fair. I think it brings the point home. Uh, where do we start with this movie, Lauren? I, I want to give you the opportunity. We're talking, obviously, 1996 Space Jam. Uh, this was, it was remade. It was actually a commercial success for the most part. I mean, they redid this a few years back with LeBron James. Did not go as well. Um, which I could have told you that, uh, but you, why pick this? What was your thought? So, um, so I knew that this movie was bad going into it, uh, but I felt as though we had to watch it. It's just one of those movies that if you're of a certain age, uh, the age being a millennial of any kind, uh, this, this movie was very important to you for some reason. Mm. Um, I don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> I really don't. Uh, the The mixture of Michael Jordan, who was this massive, ma- not just an NBA star, not just the best NBA player probably ever, a massive, massive star. You know, I don't pay attention. I've never paid attention to basketball. You know who Michael Jordan is. And also the Looney Tunes. Um, it does not matter that this movie is what it's about. I don't know. Couldn't tell you. I'm, couldn't tell you. None of that shit matters when you are a kid and you're just watching it and you're like, oh God, this, so much of this is funny and it's just fun and bright colors and Michael Jordan's there and it's crazy. And um, I, I really felt like we needed to revisit it <laughs> as adults, especially because they made a they made that re- remake a couple of years ago. That, that movie has LeBron James, who by the way, for a... Uh, a uh, sports star player, anything, a decent actor. He was in train wreck. He's, he's pretty funny in that. And it also has Zendaya, which is bananas. Yes. And it still did poorly. And the reason it did poorly is because everybody who loves and watches space jam knows it's awful. And, and it's those same folks who love LeBron that make us have to choose for, between Michael Jordan and LeBron. And it's like, I don't want to choose. So if you're going to make me choose, I'm going to choose the shitty one that had Michael Jordan in it because that's my youth. And yeah. if you're going to make me choose, I'm going there. I'm not going to LeBron. And that's I also I also come back to, we talked about this last week, uh, a little or last time a little bit, that there's a a sort of cultural tolerance for frivolity that I think was at its peak in the nineties that does not exist today. And a space jam does not work today because of the kind of people you have watching these movies. That's very fair. I mean, Raj gave this a thumbs up. Like Raj liked it. Like Raj (laughs) was a huge fan because Raj is all over the place. I can't get down. I can't pin Raj down. I can't do it. And nobody can. Maybe that's the whole thing. Raj is like, you know what? You think I'm zigging? Nope. Zagging. Yeah. That's what now. What do you think? You think I'm over here and I'm, I'm over here. That's Raj. It's just, just, I mean, it's a nonsense film. It's a nonsense film, but I think there are enough, um, jokes in it and, uh, to kind of get by, there's enough Looney Tunes in it to make kids love it. And then there's enough, uh, jokes that kids would, by the way, never get that 
their parents watching it would enjoy to kind of skirt by and convince people that it is in fact a good movie. And I also think that there's something to be said about like the nostalgia culture that we're currently in um, that is getting so obnoxious. Um, <laughs> just so I, one more remake, one more reboot. My, my, my ears are bleeding. I'm so. Your hair will go tired. gray and then you'll have to dye it again. And then I'll have to dye it again. That so costs money. Then you're going to get in then you're gonna get another it. arm tattoo. Yeah, then it, then it's gonna be out of hand. You're gonna have a whole sleeve. Yes, and you're then gonna I'll be go like full, Michelle Rodriguez. Then I'll go full witch. Yeah. Uh, I'll move to the woods. I'll make potions. I'll kidnap people's children. You'll be and a Sanderson sister right now. Like it will happen. It's, the Sandersons are coming out. It's coming out right now. And I just can't afford that. You know, yeah. that's expensive. Yeah, exactly. Cauldron. Have you seen the price of cauldrons these days? Very expensive. <laughs> Very expensive. Uh, so basically, so yes. So I wanted to talk about this movie because I felt like it, it needed a solid revisiting, even though it is maybe the most ridiculous movie I've ever seen. I have kind of a theory on this movie and why I think a guy like Raj enjoyed it to the degree that he did and why I liked it when I was 15. And here's my kind of my theory. There are just movies that come around at times, you know, whatever it is in life, you know, culture, whatever it is that when you're in the movie theater and you're in the moment, it just sort of takes over, right? The, the moment, like you're just there and on the big screen, it just works for whatever reason. I, I say that that is Avatar is like my, that's the last like movie experience where I would say like, if you went to the movie theater, Avatar was intoxicating. It didn't matter the story. It didn't matter. It, it, it just, you left the theater going, that was visually stunning. Like I've never seen anything. I, w- I've, I was overwhelmed by the story in the theater. Doesn't hold up when it's running on TNT. You know, when yeah. you watched it the second time or you watched it when you got home, you were like, eh, that doesn't work as well. And, and I'll, I'll say on that too, like I saw Avatar for the first time uh, in a friend's basement on a, on just a regular TV. And I, I looked at them and I said, guys, what are we doing? This is, <laughs> yeah. We got two and a half hours here left to kill. Can we do something else? Is there, this movie is not, not what I'm enjoying. Can we watch well, something Cinemax. else? I mean, come on, man. And, <laughs> And I also think it goes back even further than that. Like I, I would imagine uh, if you saw E.T. or if you saw you know something in the 70s that sticks out. I wasn't alive in the 70s, so I couldn't speak to it. But maybe uh, th- there's probably some great action movie that's sitting out there that you were like at the time going, man, this is just mind-blowing stuff. You know, I would even argue Infinity War or some of these Avengers movies or some of the, uh, you know, just some of the Marvel movies in general. Will we watch those movies in 25, 30 years or will we look at them and go, eh, you know, a lot, lot of product placement, a lot of, lot of silliness, a lot of whatever. I think we might, but in the moment, in the theater, it doesn't matter. I, yeah, I mean, I feel the same. Uh, you're talking about this and the first thing I thought of was Endgame because yeah. I, tend to, I tend to think uh, that Infinity War is actually a better movie. Um, but the the theater experience that I had watching Endgame is one that I will never have again and have never had before. It was impeccable. It was, the crowd was all in and it was very cool. And it's not a bad movie, 
or anything at home. It's just, it's, it's really not the same when you remove the audience component. Um, but all these ones that we're talking about are okay movies. Maybe not great movies, but they're okay. I'll still watch them. Avatar is still fine. It's just not special. This movie's bad. <laughs> like, don't I, I? I truly do not understand in rewatching it the the way that we all decided, like an entire generation of people decided, this is the movie. This is like the best movie ever. It's so weird to me. It has almost like this hocus pocus like cult status, but like hocus pocus is good. Hocus pocus is fun. Um, this movie's bad. I like <laughs> it's 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 enjoyable in parts, but let me just hold on. This is the plot alone is confounding. <laughs> that might be worthwhile. Can you want you want to relay the plot of the film for everybody so that anybody who hasn't seen the '96 version of Space Jam, which by the way, anybody who probably listens to this podcast, I would assume you have. But if you haven't, you probably at least need to see it once. I will give you that. It's one of those like, hey, I haven't seen a car wreck in person before. Yeah, you probably need to take <laughs> one in in your life. You got to take one in to really appreciate the destruction of a vehicle. Or you got to watch a NASCAR race. There you go. It's a cultural touchstone. You Correct. have to see it. Yes. But okay, so here's here's the synopsis that I put together. I was trying to make it as concise as possible. Um, a cartoon amusement park in space decides they need a new attraction. They decide to kidnap the Looney Tunes to force them to perform at the park like slavery. A little bit of the trafficking too, like toon trafficking, which feels yes, weird to me. It does. It's weird. Uh, the tiny alien henchmen go to Looney Tunes land and hold them hostage. Bugs Bunny then convinces them that the Looney Tunes should be allowed to defend themselves. They decide the best way to do that is to challenge the aliens to a game of basketball because they are short. The aliens then steal the talent of steal the talent of five major NBA players. They get crazy crazy tall and become the Mon Stars. Were get they it. the monsters before? No, they weren't. But that's neither here nor there. The Looney Tunes decide they need a ringer and they kidnap Michael Jordan to play for their team, who was weirdly cool about this. Weirdly cool about the whole abduction thing. Yep, I'm in. And then the last seemingly 40 minutes of the movie is a basketball game. And I want to also point out that he's playing golf. Like, I, this, is this, this is happening at the weirdest time in Michael Jordan's life. Uh, he had just come back to the NBA after the 93 NBA season. So context for people. And again, if you don't know the story, if you didn't live in the 90s, you don't. This is not a part of the Jordan legacy that gets talked about a lot, but it's on display here. And if you're watching it for the first time, you're like, baseball? What the hell is going when on? When did here? he play baseball? Like, yeah. So the context is after the 93 season, his father was murdered actually during the 93 basketball season. Um, uh, and, you know, it, this opening scene that they just sort of gloss over about, Dad, after I win a title, I'm going to go play baseball just like you. It's like now some believe that that was the impetus of the baseball. Some There's also a lot of gambling stuff, a lot of sneaky stuff out there, too, on the Jordans. A little, little sneaky underbelly of the Jordan legacy. But he gives he wins the third title against Phoenix. 
immediately retires and ends up wanting to go play baseball. And he ends up in the Chicago White Sox, Birmingham Barons, organ, you know, the, the AAA affiliate where he's hitting 210 and he doesn't hit the ball very well. He struggles like crazy. And that is where we're basically picking up this story. <laughs> is that Michael Jordan's flailing away at sliders in the minor leagues and he hasn't played basketball in a while. That's where we're picking this up. Well, that's this, this movie is so weird. Okay, so I feel like so much of this movie is built on basically inside jokes or like incredibly niche knowledge. So part of what this movie is doing, because he had already come back to basketball by this point, is kind of like explaining his return to basketball. And so that needed to be explained, given that he was in a minor league team and not doing well there. Feels like it doesn't need an explanation why he returned to the sport where he had won how many championships? He had won three at that point. Played two, yeah. basically a year and a half of pro baseball, came back and won three more titles in the NBA. I uh, So a fun fact about this movie, there are a lot of weird fun facts because this movie is one giant inside joke. The Tom Kane fact of the week, uh, Ryan, you better be loaded for bear. Uh, you better have a lot of one. Tom Kane facts. He's got one. Real quick before that, because this I feel like if, we, Kane don't, fact right if here. we don't turn to Ryan and the Tom Kane fact of the week, pretty soon it's never going to happen because yep. I have a lot to say. <laughs> um, but all of the, okay. So who are the five? I have it written down. I have it too. I don't, I don't know any of these people. Oh, you got to know um, Chuck, you know, Chuck, don't you? I know, a round I know round him. of rebound. Sir yes. Charles. Sir Charles. This brought me right to the fields there. When I saw Chuck in the Phoenix Suns Jersey, I was just like, Oh, right in my wheelhouse as a youth. Oh God. Was I, that delicious. We, we, he is the first to lose his talent. Yes. Right. So he's, that's, he is the first one. I will say your, your first Tom Kane fact of the week, because I have two is, uh, <laughs> this one is, is from Lauren. She said, I had to bring this one up because it is a Tom Kane, Tom Kane fact of the week. Uh, the outfit that the mini monsters are wearing while they're at the NBA games features a Tom Baker number four doctor who scarf uh as an allusion to the the fourth doctor uh which is of course tom kane's favorite doctor of the doctor who series duly noted that i mean i gotta get a pen sounder on this like i gotta get a click sounder for every time i want to write something down i need that that's that's good i like that one that's good so yeah charles barkley's first the monsters observe that in the doctor who scarf well played I cannot find where this fact is. So I'm just going to move on because I assume that other people know the names of these people. I'll give them to you real quick. Patrick Ewing. Patrick okay. Ewing, um, a great player for the Knicks. Sort of Muggsy. at the tail end of his career here, yeah? Yeah, uh, kind of in the, right in the peak. The, the, he had went to the okay. finals two years prior. Like, this is the zenith of Patrick Ewing. Um, Muggsy Bogues, who is actually still one of the shortest players in NBA history. He was five foot three. So really the Monstars didn't need to get bigger. I mean, with Muggsy uh, and Muggsy wasn't an elite point guard or anything, but then they go to Sean Bradley, who is actually one of the tallest players in NBA history at seven feet six. Uh, he was a big dude, Sean Bradley, a bit of a lummox though. Not much of a, not a, not a great player. And then Larry Johnson, otherwise known back in the day as grandma ma. 
because uh, like a lot of uh, I don't know what it, what the what the deal is, but apparently if you want to be a big star, you have to, and you're a man and you're a big man and maybe African American, you have to wear women's clothing every now and again. Uh, I don't know why that is. Cat Williams talked about that recently. Can't speak to it. But yeah, that's what he was known as. So he was Grandma Ma for a long time. Larry Johnson. There you go. What a weird fact about these people. Anyways. Um... Thank you. I've, I decided I'd give you some <laughs> facts. But there you go. You want to talk about 90s NBA? You're in my world here. You're in it. So uh, I was I was really hoping because I know nothing about this. Yes. Um, I, anyway, so those five players who have their talent stolen by the Monstars are um, five players who I guess semi-famously lost their NBA championships to Michael Jordan on the Bulls. Barkley lost in 93 before he retired for the first time. Yeah. So so all of them have their talent stolen. Um, <laughs> and then Michael Jordan beats them anyways. Uh, it's just, it's like a lot of little weird little facts like that. Like everything about the movie is so... Um, like in the business of either the NBA or, or Hollywood Warner brothers specifically. Um, so like Bill Murray, Bill Murray's in the film. We have to, we'll talk about that at some point too. Cause that that's worthy of, a, of a few minutes of, of conversation that he's in it for five seconds, basically, or two minutes. I, or whatever it was. Yeah. Bill Murray's in the movie for two reasons. One, uh, he accepted the role uh, because he was apparently offered a role in Who Framed Roger Rabbit and turned it down um, and uh, a- allegedly to be in Scrooge, we think. Very allegedly. That's very possible. And uh, and he was, he was upset about that because that movie was a huge hit. Uh, so he decided to be in this one, which isn't the same. I, I, I could see why I, he would think it would be. I guess. I, I suppose. Uh, that's a, that. Yeah, it's a weird. All I know is Bill Murray seeds the high ground when it comes to serious acting. You don't get to call yourself a serious actor if you're going to be in Space Jam. In Space Jam? Sorry. Sorry. No, no. Sorry. Like Wayne Knight's not walking around talking about how serious he is as an actor. I don't hear that it, from Wayne Knight. So it's fine. He never had the high ground to begin with. To be fair, this is Bill Murray pre like lost in translation. That's so true. I'll, I'll give him a pass. Um, and then also, apparently, he appeared in those commercials with the Looney Tunes and Michael Jordan in mm. the 90s. That might be true. Now that I'm trying to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's possible. So that, that makes sense. I would also just buy that Bill Murray, like, stumbled onto set one day and they decided to use him. Yeah, like Larry, Larry Bird and Jordan are out on the golf course for real. And they're playing yeah. real golf and Bill's there. And they're just so happy. Like, hey, roll the cameras. We're just right here. We'll turn this into a scene. <laughs> that makes I, some sense to me. I would buy, if that were if that were true, I would 100% buy it. Uh, that's the vibe he's giving off in this movie, that he just showed up. I also buy that Bill Murray was asking whether or not he could play in the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, that was it. What I don't understand is why do the baseball stuff anyway when it's really just not even a bit of the movie? I mean, it's really just a, a just a flick of the movie. Considering when he gets abducted by the tunes, he's playing golf. He just hits a hole in one. So the baseball stuff is like irrelevant. 
See, but this is what I this is why I think that this movie, like, they obviously negotiated with Michael Jordan to be in this. He's not For sure. an actor. Um to be in this. Uh and he obviously had some stipulations. He was like, you need to mention all the things I am a spokesperson for ad yep. nauseum throughout the film. Yep. <laughs> Should we recap some of those real quick real, before we move on? <laughs> by the way, this podcast brought to you by Hanes, by Nike, by Gatorade, by McDonald's, by the <laughs> Birmingham Barons, by the Chicago Bulls, the National Basketball Association, uh, Milk. I'm sure Milk is in there somewhere. Wheaties. <laughs> uh, it is brought. I th- did I get them all? The University uh, got, you, of you North forgot, Carolina. Uh, Wayne Knight's career. Wayne Knight's uh, career. Uh, <laughs> it's probably brought to you by Quail Hollow Golf Club. Uh, brought to you by uh, the... Is Wayne, is Wayne Knight the only repeat actor we've had so far? It No, we've had others. I'm sure we have. I'm oh, sure I'm, we've I'm had others. I'm sure we have. This is one we should figure out. But Yeah, we have because we have... I'm sure we've had... We've had Florence Pugh. On here twice. Yeah, we've had two Florence okay. Pews. Yeah, right. that's that's true. Yep. You nailed Florence it. Florence Pew and Wayne Knight. <laughs> you trying to tell really? me we haven't done two Bill Murrays? You trying to tell me we haven't done another Bill Murray? Have. I don't think we have. I don't really? think we have. Wow. We might need to rethink all it. We've had Carrie Fisher and Laura Dern, haven't we? Laura Dern. In multiple Laura films. Dern's the other one. Fisher, Carrie Fisher, too. Yep. I feel like we've had, yeah, we've had some runs with some people. Basically, if Ryan has some sort of attraction, some animal <laughs> attraction to them, then we've done their movie. I mean, Laura Dern. <laughs> mostly. Come on now. And there's no way we're going to be able to get a second Lola Bunny movie in here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let me ask, I'll start here too. So we've done the um, kind of the plot synopsis here. Um, first, and here we go. My first thought movie pops up first song. I believe I can fly. Yeah. A little R Kelly. <sighs> a, a little weird. I'm not going to lie to you. This is one of those things where you start talking about, does the movie work? Can we do it? I'm starting to think because R. Kelly had a run of big movie power ballads in the 90s, right? Gotham City, I Believe I Could Fly. Yeah, (laughs) certainly something was running, you know, whatever that may be. Do we have to discount those films because R. Kelly sings the big anthem in it? Can we not watch like Batman? Well, we can't watch Batman and Robin. Not that we want to, but now I feel like we (laughs) (laughs) I can't watch Batman and Robin because it's terrible, but for other reasons. I think it's it. That's such a hard question. It would be like, don't watch any movie where the Weinstein Company was involved. It's like, okay, I'll just fuck myself then. Like, there's nothing to watch anymore. <laughs> Harvey probably wouldn't mind that anyway. <laughs> I'm just, uh, I'm not saying. I'm. I'm gonna remind you for the second week in a row that my dad listens. <laughs> you said it. I didn't say it. I you said swore. it. You said it. I didn't make a joke. Yeah, but we were talking about R. Kelly and Weinstein, and that's the phrase you use. Phrasing. It means, you know what it means. I know what it means, but it's phrasing in context, Lauren. Well, control yourself. Control yourself. Are you kidding me? You're the one that's all I over the, the place. I am the one with the wine glass. Yeah, it's you. true. You're. I don't even have wine. I'm just what calling. What is happening? Right I'm now? just calling balls and strikes <laughs> here at this point. That's all I'm doing. I'm just, anyway, I'm just saying it's that is hard. I I can very easily 
not like buy his records or stream his music or whatever, whatever. His song is in this movie. What am I? I'm just not supposed to watch it because like 30 seconds of his song is in the movie. It is kind of a weird thing because we've talked about this. I'm sure we have on this pod, Lauren. I don't know if we have Ryan, if we, but like, where does that line of where does the artist and the art kind of move here? And, you know, how do we pick and choose which things we boycott and stop watching, whether it's Kevin Spacey movies or it's R. Kelly songs or it's whatever. I don't know what the line is. I've yet to figure that out. So part of me is like, eh, you just got to let it all go. But even then, even with the R. Kelly, even with me saying, let it all go, I believe I can fly comes on and I'm kind of like, Ooh, it's R. Kelly. Hmm. Yeah. It leaves a sour, a super sour taste. It's too bad because God damn it. In the nineties, I loved me some R. Kelly songs. Everybody, there were good songs. You know, I don't think, I think that's part of the problem. I think, you know, really, really talented people are sometimes literally monsters. Um, And my, my big thing, my kind of line in the sand is as long as I'm not uh, contributing to their, yeah, financial power to do these horrible things. Fair that's, enough. That's where I'm at. You know, I, you know, we watch like Harry Potter on DVD. You know, I've already given that terrible woman all the money she's going to get from me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's just. Well, here's the thing. She's already happy. She's already got your money. Like she's got yeah, everybody's money. She's already got everybody's money. She's good. I can't take. I can't take back the money that I gave her. Should we do that on the pod sometimes? Review a Harry Potter movie and have you write an open letter to J.K. Rowling asking for your hundred dollars back? Oh, it was probably more than a hundred dollars. That was it's a lot of movie theater. It is. It is. Absolutely it is. Absolutely. Um, so that's where it it starts with R. Kelly. That's tough. That's a tough Mm -hmm. look. Um trying to think of what else uh we want to hit on here quickly. In the beginning. Ryan, do you have something you want to hit on in the beginning of this as we continue to work through this movie? Um, you know, not not a super important anything. Just uh I mean the, the thing that I'll say early on in this movie is, you know, I, I'm I, my my greatest memory not greatest, but my, my most prevalent memory with this movie is is fairly traumatic. So Ooh, coming, Okay, coming, now I want to hear this. Let's go. Coming back to this this movie is uh is a little str- well, I mean it's this movie comes out in '96, right? I'm three years old. Uh, I didn't, I didn't see this movie. I was 15, you were three. I hate you so much. I didn't, I didn't hear, I didn't see this movie till '98, right? The uh, the first time I watched this movie was the there was a, a tornado in North Minneapolis in 1998 where we were living at the time, and I remember my parents are. You know, my dad's gone. My mom's upstairs giving my siblings a bath. I'm downstairs watching Space Jam and the sirens start going off and I freak out. Mm. Like it's, It is like the root memory in my system of why I was terrified of storms for the first 15 years of my life. And uh, Space Jam plays a huge part in that. So <laughs> anytime I come back to this movie, I'm reminded that I was terrified of storms as a kid because the first time I watched it, I was in the middle of a tornado warning. That, that is a is brand new interesting. Fact. That is something I didn't even. Wow, Ryan. That is a brand new fact that you've literally never told me and did not tell me in the watching of this movie together. I swear to you, knew this. <laughs> I feel like we've had this conversation before. 
Lauren didn't even know you were afraid. Lauren didn't even know you were afraid of storms until six minutes ago. Now it's <laughs> Oh, that I knew. That oh. I've witnessed. Yeah, she she knows that I get really nervous around bad weather. Boy. I didn't know that. You you didn't know that? No. Now I'm gonna now every time we get a little I, little snowstorm outside for a speech day, I'm just gonna assume you're not coming. I mean that's Does he Does he not text you every time there is like a rainstorm within a hundred miles of where you're currently. No, but what he does do is he does go right to the worst case scenario. I'm like, ah, one to three inches yeah, possibly. 100%. Like, actually, I heard the National Weather Service said it's three feet. It, it could be anywhere from one inch to three feet of snow. So I'm, I'm leaning that's, three feet. That's absolutely true. But I'll tell you right now that it's absolutely a trauma response. It, clearly, I didn't know, but now I know. Now I can. Now I can take it with a grain of salt because I usually like to throw it back at you, like. Dude, what is the doomsday stuff? Like, yeah. stop! It's not going to be that bad. It's because I'm. It's because I'm terrified. That's why. All right. And yet he will sit in our garage and watch it rain all the time. That a rainstorm is di- rain is yeah. different. That's, it's that's when just, wind shows up. That's when you got problems. That's just the, the Midwest shows. dad and me just sitting out in the garage. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing with, yeah, like same with like flipping burgers on a grill. You know, it's very similar. Midwestern it's, dad type stuff. It's an instinctual calling, man. I don't know what to tell you. Good point. <laughs> now, there was product placement before this movie, Lauren. We've had product placement for years in movies, right? Anytime we have any kind of visual medium, we're going to product place. We're going to try to move some stuff, especially when you get financial you know, backing and you get all this sort of thing. But did this movie... Uh, maybe open Pandora's box to the modern movie as far as like, how much can we get in one movie as far as commercials concerned? Like this was, as you said, one giant commercial. Uh, it's rough, dude. There, there's a line, <clears throat> there's a line where I was just like, I needed to take a break. I needed to pause and walk away and cool <laughs> off. Uh, it was crazy. I, uh, Wayne I was Knight hungry was- for McDonald's during the movie. I was kind of <laughs> like, you know what? I could go for an egg McMuffin yeah. right now. Wayne Knight walks into Michael Jordan's hotel room uh, and says, come on, Michael, it's game time. <laughs> Slip on your Hanes, lace up your Nikes, take your Wheaties and your Gatorade, and we'll grab a Big Mac on the way to the ballpark. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. Oh, I'm going to short circuit. <laughs> There's so much happening there. And you know, you know, that was in Michael Jordan's contract. It was like, I need you to mention all seven of these at some point throughout the film. And also the, 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 I think the be like Mike, you know, do you remember those commercials, Lauren? Have you ever heard those? If I could be like Mike, be like Mike, like Mike. This is, I mean, this is the soundtrack of my youth. Right. That is like anybody who was my age, if they were growing up in the 90s, they can sing you the entire Gatorade Michael jingle. Like they can. Sometimes I dream that he is me. And that's the whole thing. And this movie is just one big Gatorade commercial the whole time in the crowd. I just want to sing like Mike, if I can be like Mike. And that's it's I don't know. You're right. It's intoxicating. It's the word I would use. It just takes over and it does become too much. And the older cynical version of me says, I can't do that. But the 15 year old version of me wanted all of it said, bring, bring me the whole thing. And, and seconds uh, afterwards. Well, and I think part of why there's something about like 
you know, 90s movies being so brazen about that kind of thing. There's like a specific type of movie that came out in the 90s where it was like everything is bright and colorful and fun and funny. And so when you have these like massive product placements, well, that's just a part of it versus uh, like audiences now. I mean, there were people who were annoyed watching Barbie that America Ferreira's car felt like, you know, a, a commercial for a Prius or whatever the fuck she drives. Yeah. It was a Chevy Equinox. <laughs> it was not. That's our car, isn't it? It was. Well, maybe that's why we bought it. Anyways. Um, that's exactly why you bought it. You were like, I got to have it. It might have been a Traverse, but it was essentially the same car. But it was, yeah, there were like certain scenes where she's like driving all cool that people are like, oh, well, this just feels like an ad for her car. And it's, maybe it is, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's just a car chase scene. I just think that audiences now view that, view product placement as a very, very bad thing for obvious reasons, as they should. It sucks. And uh, like this Watching something like this for the first time now, I think, would really, like, turn a lot of people off for that reason alone. It's like, we already live in a capitalist hellscape. Can you just give me an hour and a half, please? For the love of God. Just play the ads before the movie starts and let's move on. Let's promise to never mention it again, right? I'll the only you- ad I want to see is Nicole Kidman. <laughs> Talking about this is a good place to have a heartbreak. This, that's all I want. I don't want anything else. <laughs> you show me one Chevy, it's over. I do think that uh, this is, I think, just a difference between getting being young and getting older, too. Right? When you're yeah. younger, this stuff doesn't bother you at all. Like, it just doesn't. Like, you're not bothered by... In fact, you would. it would have been wrong if Michael wasn't drinking a Gatorade in this movie. It would have been wrong if, you know, the synonymous things that you held with him didn't come up in this movie. Michael Jordan's playing himself. It's not like he's playing Bob Johnson. He's playing Michael Jordan. He's playing himself. You would want that. But the cynical old man in me has just like, I just hate all of it. And I just want to take it all away. And uh, just like, I don't, this is where everything went to hell in a handbasket right here. This could be the line of demarcation where everything went south. Things were going great. And then Space Jam rolled along and now everything sucks. <laughs> well, and as like, I mean, granted, my kid is not old enough to be sold to, but he will be unfortunately very soon. And there is something about like, man, I remember as a kid being sold to constantly. Yes, yes. As though I had money to do that. It was just all the time there were commercials for toys and things on like Nickelodeon. I mean. How many this, times did you ask your parents for a light bright? I had a light bright. But you know what? I I always. Of course <laughs> she did. Of course she did. What a cake eater. Had a light bright. <laughs> had a light bright. It feels yeah. like such a cheap ass toy. There's no way that was expensive. Um, no. You know what I always wanted? I'm, now I'm getting into this. You know what I've always wanted is. Uh. There was an ad, I don't remember the name of it, but it was like a black sheet of paper and you had like a little sponge. And if you uh, drew on the black sheet of paper, underneath was a rainbow. 
I was obsessed with getting that. I never got one. But it was it, that ad was on I, TV all the time. Yeah. I just want to say, I just want to say in the world of this, I once got a can of chunky soup for Christmas. <laughs> all right. I don't even. <laughs> I, I, I just want to. Yeah, Lauren, you and your light bright. Ryan's got soup over here. I got a can of soup for Christmas once. and <laughs> I'm not complaining that I didn't get this thing. <laughs> the old man said, hey, eat up, Ryan. It's going to make you strong for football. Times were tough. All right. School of hard knocks. <laughs> yes. At I'm least was it like here was it vegetable at, beef? At least I mean, what kind, was it more of a chowder or was it, was it more the, of a brothy uh, it was, soup? It was the hamburger. The hamburger. Okay, yeah, I like that hamburger one. Hamburger soup. At least it's a good soup. I have a question, Ryan. How yeah. old were you, and did you ask for that? I was, I was, uh, I was eight years old, and no, I had asked my parents if we could stop buying the cheap Campbell's stuff. Uh, for one lunches. time, I just want a chunky soup, uh, and I it. just wanted something with a little more in it. And they bought me chunky soup for Christmas. <laughs> I just, um, I can just hear them was, sitting at home right now. Well, all Ryan's been bitching about is that our soup is weak. We need to get him something good. That's what he wanted. We were, eating, I, like, we were I eating so like much this, soup. I love soup. I love soup. I I feel in your parents' defense, I feel like I understand what they were going for there. And also you were one of four. In fairness, I mean, did your older brother get like a hungry man's dinner instead? You know, I just, well, I'm, just gonna... I'm the oldest. I'm the oh, oldest. you're the, oh, you're the old. I thought one was older than you. Never mind. No, I'm the oldest. <laughs> yes. um, and then the one under you got a, got a light bright. No, they, they got one of those mechanical cars, one of those electric cars that you get to drive around. On. I'm just kidding. They didn't. No, they did like, not. Uh, oh colossal God. pain in the ass. That would be. Uh, and was, so this has been Ryan's couch session here on uh, Peak Cinema. We're happy you were able to attend that. Um, that uh, again, great. again, this movie centers a lot of trauma for me. Uh, <laughs> we're getting it all out right now. I just want it noted. A light bright is $30 at Target. What was it, though, back in 1996? I don't know. Do 1999? Find an, find an inflation calendar. I'm sure. I'm but sure. it's $30 now. Okay. <laughs> You could have it for two for two low payments of fifteen ninety nine. <laughs> if you call this number right now, those were the commercials that oh always drive me yes. crazy. I see that's who they sold to in the back in the day. And I'd hang out at my friend's house and we'd watch all. We were just talking about this last night. We were playing cards together. And he goes, "Hey, do you remember the ads for music CDs and stuff that would come on at like one o'clock in the morning, like '80s classics?" And here come the lead singer Ario Speedwagon. Oh, those '80s tunes really take me back. And then there was the sappy fake conversation. You're right, Kevin. I love these '80s tunes. Let's hear some more. And then it would just be an hour of '80s tunes um, to the point where you're like, "I need this whole CD set. I need all of these songs. I need all um, of them." I'm waking up at 1.30 in the morning listening to Michael Bolton, just like little clips of him. <laughs> There's a lot of Celine Dion in my youth. A lot of Celine, like. yes. But never, but never a whole song. It was always just the little 30-second clip they played. Yeah, the, the little clip. That's how, I, that's how I learned about half those 80s songs. I was like, hey, I heard that chorus once for five seconds. That's what I know. I'm I know I want that at, song. I'm staying overnight at my grandparents' house watching WWE. I fall asleep. I wake up, and all of a sudden there's – this commercial followed by three hours of girls gone wild. Like I, I don't, 
Never wake up. Never wake up in the middle of the night on like a basic cable channel. No, you don't know what you. That's that is a that is potluck. What you're gonna get there? You have no idea. That's how I watched Hedwig and the Angry Inch by accident when I was like (laughs) thirteen. I mean, it could be harmless. It could be an ASPCA commercial. It could be something you don't want to watch. Is all I'm saying. It could be dicey, or that your parents don't want you. Or your parents don't want you to watch. It could be dicey. Is all I'm saying. Let's um favorite aspects of the movie. First of all, let's talk about Michael Jordan's acting. Okay. Uh, so let's first of all, let's keep in context that he is not an actor. Uh, yes. that he is an athlete. And he's never said he was an actor. Uh what do we rate his performance and how what kind of sliding scale do we use for Jordan? I think as an athlete who is acting. I'm going to give him like a six. He's not horrible. No, he's not. He's not. He he buys into the premise of this movie, which again, we is is so much. So I already commend him for that. Um, but he's, he's okay. He's not, there have been better. Like I would argue, uh, like, um, like I said earlier, LeBron James is, is super funny. I think Chuck would be a better actor. Like if this movie had Chuck instead of Jordan, and I think I, I think it would be better because Chuck is a better actor. In terms of acting, yes. In terms of the premise, I don't think so. No, you're probably right. But uh, no, I I agree with that. Um, yeah, he's not he's not as bad as I thought he was going to be in rewatching this. He's okay. He's doing the script, the service it deserves. They are smart in the sense that they don't give him like long monologues. Yes. They don't make him talk for five, six, seven, eight minutes at a time or make him carry the action. It's a lot of short sound bites. It's a lot of choppy utterances. It's a lot of yes, no's and stuff like that. And that works. I mean, you can get away with that. You can hide somebody in a movie by doing that sort of thing. Thought they, you know, let let the actions do the work and not make him talk. I thought that worked pretty well. I think I think that was smart, honestly. And it's it they obviously told him at the beginning of the movie, like, hey, Mike, acting is reacting, and that's all he does for like an hour and a half. I'm fine with that. I think uh he does a serviceable job in this movie. Do I think that there are athletes out there who are better actors than Michael Jordan? Yes, I do. Um, but he's okay. I'll give him that. Yeah. I think that's, I think a six is a fair score for Michael on this movie. I, I do a six out of 10. Yeah. But anybody who went in there thinking he was going to be Daniel day Lewis here. I mean, that's <laughs> your fault. I think everybody kind of knew what they were getting. It's kind of like when you watch a Hulk Hogan or a Chuck Norris movie or a Steven Seagal movie, if you're going in there expecting brilliant dialogue, and phenomenal <laughs> acting. You're in for a rough night because that's not what you're going to get. You know, yeah. you, what you're getting is what, what you signed up for. And that's what that's this not, is. And that's okay. I I commend him on that. Yeah. I think he's, I think he's perfectly okay. I do think if they were going to make the remake, the remake that they did, LeBron James was a good choice. It's just that that movie was never going to be successful. It doesn't matter who they put. Yeah. I completely, yeah. (laughs) What about the, Ryan, let me ask you this. 
innovation, they, they, they talk about it as a really innovative animated like, live action slash animation film. Now who framed Roger Rabbit sort of comes before this. Uh, and I think a lot of people will point to that as kind of the first one of this, but I do feel like it's a little sharper, a little cleaner here. And that's because you got five, six years more worth of technology heading into that to make it better. But overall, like, do you think like it's viable, this live action animation and how come we haven't seen more of it? I don't know. What are your thoughts on the whole thing? Well, I mean, I, I would argue with the way that CGI has developed and that, you know, modern animation has developed. We've kind of seen a blending of live action and animation for a long time now. I think that as far as animated characters go, you know, this is probably technically a little better than than Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but I would say that's still a better movie just because the story and the, uh, the soul of it is a little bit better than, than Space Jam. I agree. Um, I think that this is, this to me is more along the lines of like the the Transformer cartoons or, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which, you know, are good and nostalgic for a lot of people. They also, they, they kind of play this role of they were, they were made to sell toys, right? This feels very much in that realm. And I think that uh, it's a, it's a bit of a shame because it could have been kind of a cute, funny movie where if, if you would have spent more time actually writing a movie, then, you know, instead of trying to sell a bunch of stuff, then, it, it's probably a better movie. I think that's very fair. Uh, I agree. Movies that sell, uh, it's a movie to sell stuff. It was like a means to an end almost. Let me ask you this as I keep going through my list. And I say, let me ask you this a lot. I got to stop doing that. These crutch, crutch <laughs> words and phrases. You suck, Anderson. Get better. Anyway. Uh, this is speech mode for you. That's that's ex- This that's- is speech mode. I'm hearing stuff. You suck, Anderson. Get better. This sucks. You blow. Get better. You, you're just <laughs> terrible. A disgrace. <laughs> anyway, you brought up nostalgia and how you're sick of it, Lauren. This movie is working the nostalgia angle. In fact, I think that's what keeps it sort of in the zeitgeist, right? Is the idea that yeah. it is this nostalgic piece that sort of sits in the time capsule, whatever it may be. Does but you say it's you, you're you're over that. That doesn't work for you. You want these kinds of movies to kind of go away, right? I'm yeah yes. I'm getting so tired of it. I think I think there's something to uh you know what made those first couple of movies uh that they made or TV shows that they made that kind of uh were a remake or a reboot or harkened back to something that was popular when we were kids. Those were really fun. They yeah. were. You know, oh my god, we're getting another one. That's great. They do it with everything now. Yeah. Oh, Captain Marvel went to a blockbuster. Remember yes. blockbusters? Yes. <laughs> they, they they literally do it with everything. I mean, I could go on a 45-minute rant about Disney live-action remakes alone. Sure. It's just too much. It makes the thing that we love so much not special anymore. You know, Space Jam isn't good. Nobody likes it because it's good. People like it because they like it. People like it because they watched it for the first time when they were friggin' six or whatever. They don't like it because it's it's a good film and they want more of that story. What story? What are you talking about? This is Space Jam. There's no plot here. Yeah, it's paper no. thin. It's fine the way it is. Just leave it alone. And it's 
literally everything to the point where absolutely like it's absolutely nothing is an original story anymore. It is just so frustrating. And, uh, you know, occasionally, you know, it's Oscar season. So we're now starting to, to hear about and, and see in theaters, like actual, uh, genuine original stories or, um, like original ideas, at least yada, yada. But unless it's trying to win an award, uh, it's basically not uh, an original story anymore. It's a remake. It's a reboot. It's an adaptation. It's a franchise film. And I'm getting really tired of it. I can't have one more Indiana fucking Jones. I cannot watch the uh, the like Moana live action remake. Why yeah, please you- stop. Yeah, that's no good. We can't have <laughs> yeah. it. I just I can't watch these anymore. The the whole the power of nostalgia is gone when you use it on everything. Have an original thought for the love of Christ. It's sort of what came I, my thought was that after I watched um I'm trying to it was I think Stranger Things was the last time where I watched something and I went I'm good with it. I like this premise of setting it back in the 80s cuz it's getting me mm-hmm. to think about all these things. But I just feel like you're right. Too many movies and shows are acknowledging almost like, hey, everything really sucks right now. So let's bring it to a time when everybody liked things. Let's yeah. let's take it to back to that moment. And at that point, you're like, you know what? You don't get to have that. That's mine. You didn't live that time. You don't get to speak on it. You don't know what it was like. Uh, only we do. And we're not sharing. I also think that Stranger Things did it a little more artfully in that the product placement in the old style bags of, of chips were it felt natural, like they were just, you know, but kids snacking at a D&D table, right? Like there's uh, you know, the, the vibe was retro, but, it, you know, there wasn't a ton of like, oh, this is what it used to look like with this product way back when. Like there's, you know, they didn't they didn't feel like they were ham fisting it yeah. the way that a lot of the other you know that the, 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 these companies that use um, nostalgia as a, a selling point, it didn't feel that way in Stranger Things, which I think is what made it work. Where you got the the '80s vibe, the '80s culture, without you know being you know beaten over the head with "Hey, look, guess where we, you know when we are," you know it 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 just sort of works. So I think that there's there's a lesson to be learned there. And I also think that there's a lesson to be learned with the remakes that it's not necessarily, uh, you know, the nostalgia that that sells, but you, you, you have to be able to make a movie that shows that you're trying to reach a group of people who are not the same age that they were when you made it, right? Yeah. So if you're remaking Space Jam for a modern audience, you're, you're clearly pulling on nostalgia and the people who loved the original Space Jam will go see it, but they're going to hate it because you haven't done anything to to make it not just pure nostalgia. There's no real story there, right? It's, it's just, it's basically the same thing with a new skin papered over it. Like, it just doesn't work. So I think that, you know, that Hollywood has to get a little bit better at, at making things enjoyable now and kind of recapturing that magic the same way that we talked about it over Christmas time, right? 
we get so hooked on nostalgia that we forget that it's our job to make that and make things nostalgic for the people younger than us. And I think that's what gets lost here. Well, and I think even like more to your point, uh, when they do that kind of thing, they're just they're just rehashing the thing that you liked when you were a kid. Well, then it's kind of like, well, then who is this for? Yeah. Is this for kids now? Because it, it doesn't play to kids now. It plays to the kid I was, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Um, but it doesn't play to me as an adult. I, I think about, I know you guys are not super involved in the drama of this, but uh, the Lizzie McGuire reboot that never happened in that. Oh, we were um, hanging on every word. I, please share. <laughs> Ryan and I are waiting. I, well, it was going to be one of like Disney Plus's first shows. Yes. When it when uh, Disney Plus first came out. And uh, everybody was signed on to do it. Everybody from that show was signed on to do it. That's kind of unheard of and crazy. And they eventually decided not to go through with it because Hilary Duff and, and the writer and the creator of the show were both pushing for like, well, you know, the point of Lizzie McGuire was that, you know, she was like 13, 14 years old. And uh, the show showed kind of like the genuine day-to-day struggles that a teen and a preteen would go through. Uh, oh no, it's a bad picture day. Uh, we snuck into an R-rated movie. She wants to wear a bra. Like those kinds of storylines. And she's like, well, Lizzie's not 13 anymore. She's 30. And so are all the fans of this show. So I want to depict this the way that, you know, how, what would Lizzie's day-to-day problems be if she was 30 years old? I want to see her dating. I want to see her at her job. And Disney did not want that because they were like, just really gung-ho on the PG-13 or less um, product that they were pushing. And it's like, but you don't understand why people liked that show and that they, you know, adults wouldn't go back and watch Lizzie McGuire now. And maybe right. that a show, a show like that might also might kind of always play to like 13, 14 year olds. Yeah. They, they, that could but, live in the time capsule or could live in the world. Maybe kind of uh, like uh, trying to think of some other examples. Cause I think you're, you're spot on with that idea of like, that might just live forever, like full house or, you know, friends yeah. or something like that. Like Fuller House to me was always weird. I didn't understand why they did that. But at the same time, I at least appreciated that they tried, they didn't try to, you know, re, you know, redo everything. They let them be, you know, older. They let them be married and have kids and all of that sort of thing. But it, it and it, maybe it re-channeled some love for the original. I don't know. But I, I, I just get weird about all of that stuff. Cause I'm like, am I supposed to like this? Like, what am I supposed to do here? Last time I saw Jody sweet and she was 15. Like, I, how do I feel now? I don't know how I feel now. I, I, I can't get on board. Well, that's like the cast of friends has always said that they never wanted to do a reboot. And I'm happy that they didn't um, because they were like, you know, the point of that show was that, you know, uh, it's, it's the time in your life when your friends are your family. Well, the show ends with them getting married and having kids and, and partnering off. And if you were still having those same problems, Lisa Goudreau has, has said this before. If, you, if my character was still having the same problems that she was having on that show and she's like 50, that's pathetic and that's sad. Yeah. And I don't want to see that. So, like, we need to, we need to figure out who these things are for. 
um, these like nostalgia based projects. And I just don't think they figured it out. And we've now tried it so many times. I need them to stop because they're never good. They're never good. And I just like, I just need it. Okay. We've tried. You made a trillion bajillion dollars. Let it go. Move on. Well said. Amen. Preach on. Do we have any favorite scenes? I love the one where Stan Podolak gets smashed. That's fun. <laughs> Just, uh, you know, my own edification. I enjoyed that. That's nice. <laughs> you know, Ryan, you did ask me a question. Um, what's the, what's the name of the, of the amusement park guy again? I'm trying to remember his name. Um, oh, who's the, who's oh. the oh. Danny DeVito yeah. hammer um, something, something hammer, swack hammer, swack hammer. Swack hammer. And okay. you you asked me who is who do you think they are trying to make Swackhammer? Don't you feel like it has to be like a Disney shot, right? If they're Warner like, Brothers and it's the theme park thing and it's well, Lauren, the constant. Lauren, you had an interesting fact about this you wanted to work in that actually kind of works pretty nicely here. So, like I said earlier, so much of this movie is just inside jokes with Warner Brothers and the NBA. Here's one of them because there are some Disney shots, and I'll get to that in a minute. Um, so Moron Mountain yes. is a spoof of Magic Mountain. That's kind of where I was thinking. Which is a Six Flags Park in California. Um, apparently at this time, Magic Mountain had a contract with Warner Brothers to exclusively license the Looney Tunes for mm. their park. So that is the inside joke. That, that nobody a, gets. Nobody gets the Looney Tunes, but Moron Mountain, which is Magic Mountain. It's just all so much of that crap and that it's like but then it's also littered with disney jokes um primarily it sounds like because uh so for who framed roger rabbit which was like 1989 yeah 1989 88 somewhere in that area um so for who framed roger rabbit uh warner brothers agreed to license some of their characters for this disney film and um they kind of had like a gentleman's agreement that at some point Warner brothers would be able to license some of Disney's characters. And so they tried to get a couple of them for this movie, just in teeny tiny bit parts, like Mickey mouse was supposed to be the referee instead of Marvin, the Martian. And, but apparently the, the, and I didn't do any further research into who was in charge at Disney then versus now, but Wouldn't whoever was in charge, I think it had to be Eisner, right? Wouldn't in, it have to be? In the 90s? Be? No, yeah, yeah you're so. right. I think it who had would to it be. Have, who would it have been? Who's pre-Eisner? I'm not sure because I feel like Eisner was there for a thousand years. I, yeah. So, okay. Maybe it was so Walt Disney. Was, not, <laughs> it was actually <laughs> Walt Disney. I don't know. I No, 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 no. Not, no. In, not in 88. No, um, no, you're right. So whoever, whoever was there in 88 uh, had this gentleman's agreement with Warner Brothers. And then Eisner steps in. And they basically do not honor this agreement. It's nothing is written down, so Warner Brothers can't really fight it. Um, so they just spend the whole movie making not so subtle digs at Disney properties. There, and and that explains that. I I, I mean, you just figure, so that's where I'm thinking like the swack hammer comes in, right? Oh, for sure. Swack hammer has to be like a Disney dig. I just feel like it. Uh, not sure who Disney- it would be about, but it's just what it feels like. A Disney exec or a Magic Mountain exec or someone that pissed them off. <laughs> See, my, my thought was, went to Red Auerbach. 
just because of the basketball side of this thing. You know, he was for so long, he was the evil empire and he was Palpatine. You know, but Larry and, and Bird would have never been in it if there were jabs at Red Auerbach. No, you're right. And and you don't think about that as you're sitting and watching it, but the guy was, you know, the the brash, short little fat dude with the with the the cigar yelling at his team on the side. <laughs> I you can know, listen I mean, to that. There's 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 some Red Auerbach to that. I don't hear that. I can hear that. I definitely can. I mean, how much of this movie did Larry Bird comprehend? Because he's in like two scenes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Larry didn't ask to read the whole script. He just, I'm sure. Hey, yeah. Oh, you mean I'm just playing golf with Joe? Okay, that sounds fine. That sounds fine. <laughs> he, may not even, that. he may not even have known he was in a movie at that point. Yeah. Been, uh, you know, you're, you're feeling a golf game? All right. <laughs> Might have been hopped up on some back medication at that point. Must have been really struggling with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, other favorite scenes. Oh my! Anything um, without Stan Podolak? Uh <laughs> Yes, I think you know what. I really love the scenes where the five basketball players are getting all those tests done. Yeah, they're good sports. I think in these scenes, they do a nice job with that. I think so. I think one of the one of the movie's shining shining points is that everyone who is in it has bought in. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, which is which is a lot to ask because this is totally ridiculous and I'm not confident that everyone knew what they were doing there, but everyone who was there really, really bought in. So all five of those players are uh, going through, you know, fake therapy and uh, you know, getting all these medical tests done and pretending that they don't know how to even like hold things properly. I think that scene is so funny. And I think all five of them do like a pretty decent job at making that semi-believable. I agree. I, that's, that was on my list too. I, I kind of gave some, some props to to the NBA guys for just jumping in there and doing that, especially when they know it's a Michael Jordan infomercial. And yet yeah. in the midst of this rivalry where this is the guy you're trying to beat uh, and Ewing just got destroyed by, by Jordan on so many occasions. I would think if I was Ewing, I'd be like, you know what? I, screw that guy. I ain't trying to give that guy anything. <laughs> this, this infomercial where he's going to make another couple hundred million sounds great. Yeah. I'll act like a doofus for him. I get it. Cause at the time Chuck and MJ were really good friends. Um, so I understood why he did it, but Ewing, I didn't, for a guy like him to do that, I give him a lot of credit. Like I thought that was good stuff. I'm uh, sure they were off offered just, Loads of money. I'm sure there was some some financial implications there too. I'm sure there were. Any other favorite scenes? Um, anything with the, the the like two scenes with Bill Murray are hilarious. Again, I would believe it that he just showed up on set and they were like, "Somebody get a camera." <laughs> this um, is good stuff. Please film this. They're playing the golf. golf. The golfing scene. The tr- the constantly trying to pitch himself as a new basketball player. Yep. Um, is fantastic. Uh, the the scene at the end where he shows up as their uh, like a player because they desperately need a player or they have to forfeit, and they ask how they ask how he got there, and he just goes, "Well, a producer's a friend of mine just had a teamster drop me off." <laughs> just, I don't know if that was in the script or if he said that, but that is just one of the funniest lines. I oh like my that. god, a- absolutely fantastic. And, Again, one of many jokes that no child would ever Nobody understand. gets. Nobody understands that. But it's still but it worked. It works. It's good stuff. All right, it least is. favorite scenes. 
anything with Stan Podolak. <laughs> good point. Good That's point. not far off, actually. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen I mean, I've seen a number of movies in my life, not as many as my wife would like me to have seen. Stan Podolak, by a mile, is the worst character in any movie I've ever seen. <laughs> Hang on a minute now. Worse than Reba McIntyre and Tremors? Worse. You destroyed Reba McIntyre and Tremors. Worse. Which was unfair, by the way. You were so unfair bad. in doing that. He's so bad. Wow. And it's, I don't think it's Wayne Knight's fault. He's just naturally annoying to me. Uh, <laughs> but you would like him in Jurassic Park, would you not? He was okay in Jurassic Park. Uh, he is. That's that's his character type. Yeah, he's playing sure. Newman Especially at that time on time. Seinfeld, so it was like yeah. a logical bit for yeah, him to just, play that guy. Just annoying, right? He's just annoying. <laughs> I literally annoys the shit out of me. Trying to scour my brain for a single Wayne Knight performance that isn't annoying, and I'm coming up Third Rock from the Sun, and that's pretty much it. He's not bad in Third Rock from the Sun. I would agree no. with that. Yeah. I don't know what, yeah, you're right. He's kind of a typecasted, like he's kind of a one trick pony. Yeah. It's a good trick. I mean, it's worked for him. It has, it's worked for him. But There's nothing wrong with that. You get work that way. Sure. Any other least favorite scenes besides Sam Stample? <laughs> I, another, another scene that I felt like I had to um, like pause and walk away from when they bring Michael Jordan to Looney Tunes land for the first time. Yep. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, you're Looney Tunes. You're not real. What do you not know? Okay. Hold on. <laughs> what is the world building of this movie? So you don't know you watch Looney Tunes on the TV. That's yep. already been established. Yep. It's very meta. So do you, you don't know that Looney Tunes are real, but they're literally standing right in front of you. And then you go, Looney Tunes, you're not real. And then they explain why they brought you here. And you're like, well, I don't have my basketball shorts. Yeah. What? <laughs> That's the only, you've just been knocked around by a bunch of monsters and uh, <laughs> you got the like, hell beat out of you. And you're just like, you know, I'm going to need my shoes and some shorts. Let's go ahead and get this and <laughs> let's get started. I, two things. First, I guess he took that personally. Second, uh, <laughs> second. Uh, do you remember those those M&M's commercials with Santa Claus where the, the talking M&M's go, he does exist, and he turns around and goes, they do exist, and then he faints. There's a lot of this to that. Yes. Uh, or a lot of that good. to this where, where, you know, Michael goes, you don't exist, and the, they go, you're Michael Jordan, and that's just the logic of the movie. It's... <laughs> It's just, he's like, goes from my world is shattered. I just discovered Looney Tunes are real and they live underground to, well, better get my basketball shorts because that's the only thing I need to train you guys. <laughs> like in 30 seconds, flat. it's, it's, I just, I had whiplash. I needed to walk away. That, and that, and, and also like, uh, Sorry, I'm moving on. There's so much I'm trying to pick too. Also, the fail the failure in this movie to have Daffy Duck sporting the Dennis Rodman colored hair. Yeah, uh, they, they had an opportunity there. Although it's right at the beginning of Rodman coming to the Bulls, so maybe they didn't want to touch that. I don't. I don't know. It's fair. I just think it'd be funny. I think that that was maybe um, 
like a bid too far for the 90s to make a Dennis Rodman joke in a kid's I'm just, movie. look, this movie's full of bits that probably shouldn't have been in there. No, you're uh, right. I'm just throwing another one out that was an opportunity. Put me uh, on my, the list that says the basketball game is my least favorite scene because it literally takes 25 years to play. It, it, I was a, a real it, NBA yeah. game is less time than it, it takes is, to, to watch. It this is movie. the Superman versus Zod of the, yes. of the <laughs> really cartoon is. world. I literally, I wrote, I wrote in my notes. Uh, this movie feels so fast, and the game is like 40 percent of the movie. It feels like a Zack Snyder movie: half exposition, half action. It's like. Uh, th- the reason the scene I just talked about is so short is so that they could play a basketball game in real time. <laughs> Why? Why does it take so long? I swear to God, the, the basketball scene at the end of fucking Airbud is like five minutes. Why are we doing this? They couldn't even sneak in a, like an 80s montage song because they would have had to go to more songs. They would have been like, sorry, we're not going to be able to cover this in, in three minutes and 40 seconds. You know, we're, Karate Kitty, Ralph Macho beats up 12 Cobra Kai in, t- in the time it takes to play You're the Best Around. I mean, this is ridiculous. We are out of McDonald's money. Uh, you're going to have to live without the montage. <laughs> we, we, we can't afford. We built this city. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's never it's never fucking ending and i we don't need every this is why okay sports movies normally understand that we don't need every part of the game to understand the concept of what's happening the concept of what's happening is that the looney tunes are losing yes they keep losing players that is a very quick cut uh you see them fail a couple of times you look at the scoreboard they're losing off awfully and then you cut ahead to the end of the game and we move on with the story i don't understand why we need i would it's it's literally like like a third of the movie at least i would argue it would have been funnier to have you know all this hope and hype before the opening tip you get to the opening tip cut to two minutes left in the fourth and everyone's injured Right. Yes. Like I would argue that that would have been funnier with a better payoff. And then Bill Murray shows up, right? Like that's you show me Tweety in the iron lung and Bill Murray shows up immediately after tip off. And I'm laughing my ass off for five minutes. I fully agree. I fully agree. And it would have given the rest of the movie more time to breathe because again, this premise is stupid and crazy and massively convoluted. And I feel like it requires so much more air than it gets. I think that's fair. That's very fair. Who wins this movie? Not Stan Podolak. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to say Stan Podolak just to keep things consistent. I would have been like, he was the best thing, the worst thing, and the MVP of the movie. And the worst thing that ever happened to America. All Uh, at the same time. (laughs) Honest, honestly, I think the the winner of the movie is Bill Murray. I think that yeah, his his scenes are are funny. I think that he is as always charming. I think that it's it works to have him here, and I, I just don't I don't think you could have this movie without Bill Murray. So he's got to be the winner. Yeah, I I fully agree with you. Um, 
that's so weird to say too because he's literally in two scenes but he makes those two scenes um i would say the winner of this movie is probably all of the uh the things that michael jordan was the spokesperson for i was kidding. there you go that's a good one i like that that's that's the out of the box winner I, uh, Air Jordans probably easily the brand. Yeah. The, the, the jump man brand got the, got the win, got the dub. But I was going to yeah. say the NBA, the NBA as yeah. a whole wins because they got to splash their product and their jerseys and their logo and their star players all over the screen for an hour and 45 minutes or an hour and 30 minutes. And David Stern was the commissioner of the league at that time. The NBA was hot. I mean, it was hot as could be. It was the most popular it had ever been. They had all these marketable stars and they capitalized. Like they struck when the iron was hot and they have now this sort of living, breathing thing that was like, do you want to know how big we were at one moment? We had this and it made $300 million. Like there's nothing, nobody else. Like the NFL in fairness has not ever done that because they've never licensed their stuff out for a movie. They just, they don't, they, they, I, they had draft was, day. Yeah, but that wasn't good. I think we agree with that, right? That that wasn't good. That yeah, was not good. Baseball does it a lot. Like baseball's done it with major league and with, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, any Costner film, basically throw Costner in the film and he's, <laughs> they've probably licensed it for it. But I, I think to get this as a, like an infomercial for the NBA, they had to feel great about what they got out of that. They, they were like, Oh, huge win. Huge win for our brand, huge win for our product. Everybody uh, flocked to see it in an NBA market. It was huge. Definitely big. Yeah, I I very much agree with that. I don't think any, any one, <laughs> any one um, cr- creator of this film is probably uh, winning. I think... <laughs> <laughs> I think the money they made from the film and the advertising... Uh, time that they got for the film for various various organizations and things was what this movie was for. That was the whole purpose of the movie. You're going to have to help me with our last category because I forgot when we amended it. Would this film be better with Carrie Fisher? I had Rihanna. Lauren, who did you add to nominate for this piece to say who would be better if we replaced a character with? <laughs> I think I added Sebastian Stan. Oh, it was uh, Stan. Sebastian Stan. Would this film be better <laughs> with Sebastian Stan, Carrie Fisher, or Rihanna, and who would they play? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> this feels like the kind of... My look, favorite I category love- we do okay. now on the new pods. These are my favorite. Look, I love Rihanna. Number one, Rihanna. Love her. I don't think she's a great actress, and, I would want um, Rihanna to play Michael Jordan's part. I <laughs> and it would be so I much think, better. I think this is totally the kind of movie that she would be in. <laughs> um, very, very like, very like a la like Beyonce in Austin Powers Three. Like that's that's the kind of maybe Lola Bunny. You know, maybe she's Lola Bunny. God, yes. <laughs> She would be a cartoon, Ryan. She wouldn't be yeah, Rihanna. Yeah, was- better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's um, my fa- that's my new favorite pod category we have is that one. That's that one spokes uh, sparks an interesting discussion every time. Uh, did there- we? Co- what else do we need to cover on this film? Oh my! Uh, I suppose 
we we've talked about like other movies like could they should they be remade obviously they did remake oh, that's the one. other one it could was, this movie be remade yes that's the last category that's right it was an has been but speaker no no we don't want to see this again and we also don't want to see this as like a 10 episode netflix series uh <laughs> i don't want to see this as a disney plus series uh i i, I just don't want to want to see this at all uh, on, under any circumstances no not at all oh what well, hold on I got some. I got one more fact that Good, is Minnesota specific. Let's have it. Uh, at the end of the movie, Bill Murray is wearing a St. Paul Saints hat yeah. because he uh, was a partial owner of the team at the time. For the longest time, but, just recently sold a stake in it. Recently. Yeah. Just up until like a couple years ago, maybe. Yeah, there's a free ad right there for the uh, St. Paul Saints. St. Paul Saints, because they're great and they're fun. And now they're a Twins affiliate. Ryan, do you have another uh, Tom Kane fact? I don't. I don't. I thought I, I had another one. You had two. What no, happened? I, I thought I had two, but it's not. It doesn't apply. I threw it to you and everything, man. I know. I'm sorry. Well, I as as always, I love our episodes of Peak Cinema. Uh, next episode of Peak Cinema comes up in uh, about a week and a half or so, and we are going to the early 90s at the height of Patrick Swayze and the early on the swaddling clothes era of Keanu Reeves and the heavy cocaine Gary Busey. You, it can't go wrong. It can't go wrong. Let me repeat that. It cannot. Uh, I We are going to talk Point Break, one of my all-timers. And Ryan will love it because Keanu Reeves plays a former quarterback at Ohio State. So it's going to be right up Ryan's alley. I mean, if Ryan doesn't like this movie, he's not a real Buckeye fan. That's all I have to say. If he doesn't like it, if he doesn't like it, he's a fraud. Let me just say that for the record. (laughs) And if I mention Ohio State once, my wife will roll her eyes until they go into the back of her head. (laughs) I'm just going to let the two of you just talk on that one. And I'll just sit here. I'll, I'll play the Ryan role. Uh, You are going to have so much to say on point break, Lauren. If you don't, I, I am, I'm already dying for your feedback on Point Break. Like I am standing here. I'm sitting in my chair at the edge of the seat because I know you're <laughs> going to be loaded with stuff on Peaceways and Keanu. <laughs> and we've got so much to get to on Peaceways because we haven't done a Swayze movie. And everybody would think, it. well, why wouldn't you do Dirty Dancing? Because this is Peaceways, I think. This and Roadhouse are like Peaceways movies, I think. Uh, that's the way I see it. Like, he was untouchable uh, around this time in his career. So I can't wait to talk Peaceways, to talk uh, to talk Keanu, to talk Gary Busey. It's going to be so good when we do Point Break in a few weeks. So it's going to be great. I want to thank you guys all for listening and supporting the uh, the Tim Anderson podcast and peak cinema specifically. If you want to go back and hear any episode of peak cinema, you just have to go to timpodcast.podbean.com, timpodcast.podbean.com, search peak cinema, and you will get a look at all the archives. Every episode we have done of peak cinema. I got to go through there myself and just do a count of just how many movies we have done over the course of peak cinema, 270 shows of the podcast. Good chunk of them have been peak cinema episodes. So you can go ahead and take a look at those, listen to them, get our thoughts and uh, we'll go from there. Over the last few years, we've done quite a few, and we've got more to come. That list is changing by the week. I'm changing things out. Lauren's changing things out. Ryan's changing things out. 
We've got some wild films coming up in the next uh, few months. And also, if you want to continue to uh, listen to the show, you can like, subscribe, leave a comment, tell a friend, Pandora, Spotify, iHeartRadio, everywhere you get your podcast. Please do that. So till next time, for Lauren, for Ryan, this is Tim saying keep your head up, and we'll see ya. Oh,